We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to come together and to worship you in the word. We thank you that we've been able to worship you in song and that you will just be present with us. Help lead and guide us in all that you would have us to learn and understand today. In your son's name, amen. amen. Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 15. So indeed, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. And one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. And this is where we're going to be at uh, today as we look at this. Paul is continuing on his letter to us. Remember, we know that he's in prison. He's been reaching the palace guard. And there are people out there that he's saying are trying to make life difficult for him <laughs> as he preaches. And, you know, this is something that we're going to see all the time when we share the gospel, when we try to live a godly life. There are going to be people who try to make things difficult for us. And unfortunately, many times they come from our own families in, in many instances because they know us. And they'll tell you things like, well, I know that you're not like that. You're, I know who you really are. And... We want to be very careful that we don't succumb to those kinds of criticisms. It's bad enough that we don't live the lifestyle that we're supposed to live. It's bad enough that we don't tend to love people the way we're supposed to love them. It's bad enough that we will gossip and, and all the other things that we do around people. So, but there are those who are going to try to make it even worse. And this is what Paul is saying. There are some indeed that preach Christ even out of envy and strife. Uh, envy is a very hard word as you look at this. Envy is when you are jealous of somebody else's success and not able to enjoy and take pleasure in their success. And this is a very serious thing that God looks at. He says, envy should not be seen amongst us is what we're told. How many times have you seen somebody who got promoted a at, the, at a job place and you kind of were, well, how come it wasn't me? Uh, they got a nice house. Well, God, how come I didn't get a, get a better house or get a newer car or, or whatever it might be? It is real easy for us to sit back and say, it should have been me. Instead of being able to say, God, thank you that they got blessed. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for us to have the attitude of, thank you, God, that they got blessed. Because it wasn't my turn. <laughs> it wasn't my time. It wasn't my turn. may not have been good for me to be blessed. Who knows? God says you might not have been ready for it. And we've shared with you how many times have we seen people, and I've seen it many times in my lifetime, people get blessed for following God and they get all kinds of toys and activities and then you stop seeing them in church. And you go, where have you been? Well, I've been camping with my RV. I've been on the lake with my boat. I've been on the lake with my, with my uh, whatever they're called, uh, motor sport boat or whatever they're called, <laughs> ski-doos, you know. Been camping. I've been shooting. I've been hunting. Oh, well, good. <laughs> you know. What about God? Well, I'll get back. I still believe in God. Haven't talked to him in a long time. Haven't been in his people, but I still believe in him. They take the blessings of God and turn away from God. We've all probably done it in our lifetime. At some point in our lifetime, maybe not completely turned away from him, but stopped and slid. And Paul's saying there are many out there that are preaching Christ out of envy and strife. They're trying to make things hard for me. Or, and the other disciples, but he's you know, specifically saying himself. What were they doing? Maybe not even teaching the right doctrine. They're just preaching, preaching Jesus. You remember the story when the disciples came to Jesus and said, uh, 
Jesus, there's these guys over there that are not part of us, and they're, they're preaching about you. And he says, just leave them alone. <laughs> you know, if they're not, not against us, they're for us. Maybe they're not completely for us, but they're still <laughs> not actively against us. And what Paul's saying is, these guys think they're hurting, hurting me. He, they think they're doing the wrong thing. But God is still being, Jesus is still in pre, being lifted up. And this is said, Christ, they preach Christ. Now most of us think that when we talk about it, we always use Jesus Christ. And Christ is not his last name, it's his, a title. And it means the anointed one. He was the anointed one, the Messiah, the one that was going to rescue the people of Israel. So when you say Jesus Christ, you're really calling him your Savior and the anointed one to come to save you. And we kind of use it all in one long title. Uh, his name was just Jesus, or in his language, Yeshua, which is Joshua. And Jesus is the Greek word for Joshua. So if we were to call him Joshua, we would not be far off because that is his actual name. But we look at this and say, they're preaching the anointed one. And they're speaking the word. You know, what is the word that, that's out there? Word represents all that Jesus is. When we talk about the word, the, John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And the word became flesh. You know, and this is something very important we have to come to an understanding. Jesus is God. It's just a, something that we have out, and there are those out there who will able to attack us and say, well, now you've got multiple gods. No, we have the Trinity, which we'll never understand, and I've told you all this, we'll never understand the Trinity. I've been studying it off and on for, for many years and still don't understand the Trinity, how you can have three individuals that are all still one. I just know the Bible teaches it. And I can give you all the verses on the Bible and say just believe it and, and know that it's beyond our understanding as humans. There is much in the Bible that is beyond our understanding. And you know what? That's a very good thing. Because if we could understand everything that was in the Bible and everything about God, our God would be too small. So it is a good thing that there are things in the Bible that we do not understand and cannot understand. And there are people who say, well, that's, you know, you can't have things you don't understand. Well, I want a God that's so big I can't understand him. So when I come across something I can't understand and the others in history have not been able to understand, I say, this is a proof to me that it's a book that is about God. Because if I can understand it all, it wouldn't be God. So we look at this and Paul's saying, these guys are preaching, trying to, trying to cause trouble. And he's saying that they preach the word. But they are preaching the word. They're teaching about Christ. And you know, the most, most important thing about teaching Christ is he's the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And one of the things that people will get really uptight about is, boy, that's really exclusive. Yes, it's really exclusive. <laughs> and it's really true. And I love to tell people, okay, you have a problem with the exclusivity of it, okay? Go down to the airport here in Las Vegas and get on a plane on random and say that you're going to, that you're planning to go to Honolulu. But the plane you get onto is going to Chicago. You, you could believe with all your heart that you got on the right plane, but you're not going to Honolulu. <laughs> that plane is going exactly the opposite direction. No matter how much you believe that it's doing something else. You know, have you ever been driving and got lost? <laughs> You're absolutely sure you're going where you think you're going. 
You're absolutely sure, but you don't get where you're going until you either turn around or finally see a sign that says, go back that way and go down the road to get back on the right road. We have a God who says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It is the only way. Jesus paid the price. All the other religions out there that you can look at all have one very simple thing. You do enough good to please the God, and hopefully you do enough good to please him. And all the other religions are based on that. You know, when you filter down all of what they teach. Christianity is the one that tells you you can't do enough good things to go to heaven. It's simple. We can't do good things to go to heaven. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us. He gave his life so that we could be saved. Real simple. The only way to be forgiven is through Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. And this is what Paul's saying. You want to try to make things hard on me? It doesn't matter as long as you preach Christ. And some are doing it of goodwill. They want to do the kingdom's work. Our job is a real simple one. We build God's kingdom. We share the gospel. We share with others the word of the, the gospel message. We're sinners. We deserve punishment. Jesus died for us, and we accept him as our Lord and Savior. Our job is so simple. Then we let God dwell, indwell, indwell us, and he changes us. Does God want us to do good things? Yes. He wants us to do good things, but not so that we earn heaven. Not so that we earn his favor. Not so that we deserve heaven. The word he's looking at is when we do the right things, we get blessed on this world, earth for doing the right things. You want lots of trials and tribulations, do the wrong thing and keep getting punished. It's a real simple thing. When God says change, you change. You know, the good news is God doesn't try to change us overnight. He takes, he's very slow, he's very patient. You know, and we've looked at this. He worked with the Jews for 40 years and wandering in the, de- in the desert because they didn't want to go into the promised land. He worked with the, in the promised land with all those tribes in the promised land for over 400, and thir- over 400 years to try to get them to repent. Before the flood of Noah, he had worked with the people for 1,500 years to get them to repent. He's worked with us for almost 4,000 years before the tribulation time is going to come and says, the patience of God. How often are we patient with people? How often do we sit down with people and we expect them to change last week even, not even even in the near future, we expected them to change last week. Now, I understand that some some people change very slow. They, they respond to God very slow. And I'm sure God would rather us respond faster too, but he's so patient and gives us so many chances. And yet we as Christians need to really work at learning to love people. Love people, not say that what they're doing is okay. okay? We're not going to say that their sin is okay, but we need to love them and build them up and try to bring them to God. Because, you know, when, we're, when you start criticizing people, How do you feel when people criticize you? Whether it's right or wrong really doesn't matter. When you're criticized, your defenses go up. (laughs) And say, nope, you're not going to do this. I'm not going to listen. I'm not ready to listen, whatever it might be. (laughs) But we all know that we don't 
do well with criticism. Even if the person does a good job with criticism and is trying to help us, we don't usually want to hear it. Now we need to hear it and we need to make sure any exhortations of that nature are in love. That people know that we really care about them and want to see them get better. Because it's not going to work any other way. More people are driven away from church, away from God, because of the criticism of the church members. Well, you're, you're just too much of a sinner. You can't come through these doors. Well, you know what? I want all the sinners to come in these doors. I want them to hear the gospel. I want them to hear what God has to say. Do we, are we going to say their life style is good? No, we're not going to say that. No, we're not going to let sin be promoted in here, but we're going to get that. We want them in here so they can hear the word. And we need to be out reaching out to the people. Uh, I was listening to Greg Laurie the, this week, and he was giving his testimony how before he got saved, he used to stand on the corners looking tough, just wanting somebody to come and witness to him. But because of his appearance, nobody hardly ever came to him. A lot of people out there are wanting to hear the word. Even though they put up a tough block to you, they want to hear the word. They want to know that they're loved by people for, for being themselves. Our verse, but God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you realize that if you, no matter how long you've been a Christian, at one point in time you were God's enemy who had a hatred toward God because of your lifestyle and God still loved you and sent Jesus to die for you. We need to reach out and touch him, touch those who need him, because it's so important for that to happen. And Paul said, that he goes on and this says, the one preached Christ of contention and the other, and not sincerely, supposing to add to my infliction and my bonds. Paul is saying they're trying to cause contention. And this word contention, it's kind of an interesting word. The word in Greek for this is a self-serving individual seeking the favor of a political office. In other words, they're electioneering. <laughs> they're trying to cause problems with Paul and make themselves look good. You know, that Paul fellow, you know, he's in prison, but he deserves to be in prison. You, you need me. You know, I'll tell you what you want to hear. That's the word that he's talking about. I'm going to tickle your ears and give you just what you want to hear. That Paul guy, you know, he's kind of tough. He, he tells you things you don't want to hear. Yeah. And an electioneering is a good picture of this. How many times do we have politicians telling us what we want to hear and not doing anything to follow through with it? This is what kind of people he's talking about. There are people out there preaching Christ. In our day, there are people out there preaching Christ, supposedly, who don't believe him and won't teach what the Bible says. They'll make you feel good when you leave. You know, a lot of our, our tele-evangelists on television are real good at making you feel good listening to them. They don't teach the Bible. They're not lifting up Christ. They're not calling sin, sin. They'll give you this great message. Love everybody. Let them do whatever they want. Let them go to hell. It doesn't matter because we're not going to deal with sin. They tickle the ears. And this is the type of people Paul's saying. There's some out there just tickling the ears, telling you what you want to hear. We need to be careful about doing that. And it says they're not being sincere. They're not giving the gospel message. And this is very important for us. 
when we are wrong, we need somebody to tell us, hey, you're, you're wrong. You're not, you're not believing in the Bible. You're not teaching the Bible. We need to be humble enough to listen to those <laughs> activities. When we're reading the scriptures, we need to have that come across to us and listen to the scripture and the changes that God wants to put in our heart and be soft and tender toward God. And we need to be open-minded enough to listen to God. Not so open-minded that we get dumped into by the world, because that is the other extreme. Satan wants us to be real open-minded too. Oh, anything goes. Just, just let anything go. There's no such thing as sin. Just, you know, dude, try to be good. But you know, the question is, what is good? You know, what is good? When, talking with one person the other day, they were talking about the people who said, well, I want to go to a good church. Well, what they meant by a good church was they wanted to go to one that would say that there's no, nothing but sin and, and we just love everybody. My definition of a good church is one who lifts up the word of God and preaches the word of God. My definition of somebody who is good is one who's following God and giving the gospel message out to people. Sometimes we're going to be offensive to people because we're going to give them what God says. Now, that doesn't mean we need to be offensive, <laughs> but sometimes words that are true are going to be offensive. When God tells me that I'm doing things that are wrong in my life through people or the word, it's offensive. I don't want to hear those kind of things. But I have to be, okay, God, it's time to listen. It's time to be obedient. And he's saying here that these people are thinking they're going to make things more difficult to, for him. But I love it in verse uh, 17 where he goes, but. And remember, I always say, I love these words, but, because something's changing. He goes, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Paul says, I am ready to defend the gospel message. And one of the things I keep encouraging us as a body of believers is, are we ready to defend the gospel? The word here for defense is apologia or apology. Give a reason for what you believe. And this is one thing I am very big on, is we need to know what we believe, number one, and why we believe it. You know, because it's very important to be able to tell people, this is what I believe and this is why. Because the world, most of the time, does not know what they believe. You know, and it's kind of amazing. When you talk to the people out there and you witness to them, some of the things you hear are really kind of weird. You know, well, I just believe you do that. You just live life the best you can. Okay, that's wonderful. Why? What, what's your reward for it? Well, you know, maybe if I do good enough, God will accept me. Okay, well, how much good do you have to do? Well, I don't know. How would you like to live that way? Not knowing how much good you have to do to please God. Every religion's based on that. The Muslims don't ever know if they've done enough good because they don't even have a God of love. They have a God of hatred and anger. You really have to work a lot of good to be able to burn that kind of, earn that kind of God's uh, privilege. You know, how much good do you want to have to do? How much bad destroys good? Are good things equal to bad things or do you need to do more good than bad? You don't want to have that kind of a lifestyle. That lifestyle is not one that is very conducive to peace. Well, God, um, I've maybe done too many sins today. I'm going to go to hell because I've stood too many sins today. No. 
It's all based on Jesus Christ and his work. That doesn't mean we go out and we sin just because we're free. Paul addressed that. You know, Shall I sin so that grace may abound? He goes, God forbid. But grace will abound when, when we sin. Why? Because God loves us so much that he died for us. I am saved by his work. Not my own work. Now, I will ask him into my heart. He will come into my heart. He will start changing me. And the longer I walk with him, the more good things I will do. Not because I'm trying to please him, not because I'm trying to earn heaven, but because he's changing me and making me more like himself. And that's when people look at you and say, wow, you really show God. I, when I look at you, I see God. I see Jesus. Maybe not all the time, but they start. And we all hopefully know people like that. When we look at them, we see somebody who is reflecting Jesus in their life. Not perfect, because none of us will ever be perfect. But we go, that person really knows how to love. That person really knows how to care for people. That person really knows God, and it shows. We need to be like that. How do we become like that? He fills us, and he changes us. He changes us. But we also will study. We will get to know him. How do we know what to do? We get into his word. We learn what he wants us to do. I can't read the Bible without God saying, this is something you have to do and you have to change. It's an amazing book. As old as it is and how, how long ago it was written, it is an amazing book that is relevant today. <laughs> and there's, as Ecclesiastes tells us, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that's going on today happened in the past. If it has anything to do with humans, especially, it happened in the past. And is still happening and will still be happening into the future. No matter how much technology changes and how many new ways we have of doing things, it's still the same thing. The sins are still the same sins. Lying, gossip, murder, stealing, uh, sexual sins, you know, you name the sins and they're all still going on today. Political intrigue. It's amazing when, when you go through the book of Esther and, and, these other, and through the books of Kings and, and, and Chronicles and you start seeing all the political intrigue and they go, see, everything goes on today was going on in, in those days. Everybody still lies. Everybody still gossips. Everybody still uh, will commit all the same crimes and, and offenses that have always been going on. Nothing changes. The way we do them might change a little bit. The way we deliver them might change a little bit. But the sins are still the same. We need to understand that. Because Satan attacks the same way all the time. And God's answer is, hide in me. Hide in him. We accept him as our Lord. And he says, just hide in me. I will take the brunt of the attacks. I will change who you are and make you look more and more like me over time. We become more loving. We become more forgiving. We become more truthful. We become more faithful. We become better at each of these areas, not because of what we do, but because of what he does. What he does. And this is what Paul says, I am ready to give the defense. I am ready to, to be, explain what I believe and why. And for us as, as his followers, Peter says that many of you are still on milk when you should be on food. In our day and age, it seems like people want to be on watered-down milk. They don't even want milk anymore. You know, water that baby down. You know, I don't want any truth in there. I don't, you know. 
We need to be careful about that. Because as we walk with God, we should be getting out of the elementary stuff into heavier truth with God. How do I live with God? How do I defend what I believe? And I've heard many people go, well, I just believe. Okay, well, that's good. I hope you believe in the right things. If you don't know what you're believing in, you may not even be believing in the right things. Because you start getting those people to talk and you start really hearing some uh, interesting things. You know, because they don't know what they believe in and they go all over the place and, and put in all the world's views into what they believe. It is critical that we know what we believe and why. Because when it comes down to who is Jesus Christ, the world's going to tell us that he was a good, good teacher, a good prophet, good man. No, he was the son of God and, and was God and said that he was God. When he was standing in front of the scribes and Pharisees, he said, before Abraham was, I am. Now we read that and we don't really think too much of it, but I am said he was God and he said, before Abraham was, and at that time he was talking 3,000 years earlier, said, before Abraham existed, I am. What did the scribes and Pharisees do? They picked up rocks. They knew exactly what he had said. He had said, I am God. We need to understand who he claims to be. Anything less than him being God, you don't have the right Jesus. And we need to understand who it is that we're worshiping, who it is that died for us. That he died on the cross and took our sins upon him completely. He paid for sins, was buried for three days, rose again in victory as the first fruit of righteousness, and said, I have got life for you. There is no way to bother except through his death. We need to understand those things. We need to understand why we believe. Why is creation an important topic? And we've gone over a lot of that. Because if, if the first 11 chapters of this book are not true, I might as well throw the book away because how can I get, trust God for the future if I can't trust him for what he says about now? This book has to be true. And you're going to hear many pastors say, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, some of these things can be bad. It doesn't matter. No, we're betting eternity that we don't know the answers for and can't verify, if we can't verify it, the present things in the Bible that we can verify and say it is all true, we're fools for believing into, into the future with them. We must get to that point where it is true. It is all true or none of it is, none of, nothing in it is of any importance. If this is not true, then I cannot put my faith in the future. But because I know it's true, I can put my faith in the future. And I can prove that it's true if I sit down with people and take their, all their problems and what they think is wrong with it and talk to them about it. It's important. But we need to get to that place. Will you get to be an expert in all areas of it? No, I'm not even an expert in all areas of it. But I know how to find answers. I know how to get the answers. Having studied for 44 years, I have a lot of answers. When you've been studying it for 44 years, you'll have lots of answers. But it takes time. But we have to challenge ourselves. I want to know God's word. I want to know why I believe what I believe. Because if you haven't been challenged yet, you will be challenged. For many of you, if you talk to your grandchildren about God, you're going to be challenged by what the school system and everything's teaching them. You want to, you want to, and you just say, well, you believe it because it's in the Bible. They're not going to buy it. They're not going to buy it. You need to be able to answer why you believe what you believe because your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren's eternity 
depends on you being able to answer these questions that the world is telling them have no answers. And it's critical that we get to that place where Paul says, I am ready to give a defense. Are we ready to give a defense for what we believe? If not, get into the word, get into more classes, talk with somebody, find somebody and learn how to defend what it is you believe. If you don't know for sure, if you believe what you believe, find somebody to help you get your answers question, your questions answered. <laughs> uh, because it's important that we come in and we say, this is what I believe, this is why I believe. So there are many people who have been in church all their life that don't, have never sat down and figured out what they believe and why they believe. They might kind of know what they believe because they've been told over the years, this is what we believe. But they have this kind of fuzzy, hazy, this is what I believe mentality. Who is Jesus? What did he do on the cross? How did it happen? What, what did it mean when he resurrected? How do we know that he resurrected? How do we know about creation? How do we know about all these different things? We need to understand these things and be able to answer them. And it's critical for us to be able to do that. Find somebody to talk to. And then take what you learn and give it to others. <laughs> this is what we're called to do. Go and make disciples. Not just preach the gospel, but make disciples. People who can follow God in a very strong way. A disciple is a follower. We're to make followers of God. We, we use the term Christian, and remember, the word Christian started in Antioch, and it was actually an accusation. It was making fun of them. What they were saying is, you're nothing but a bunch of Christ followers. <laughs> you know, they, were, they, were, they were mocking them when they started using that term. But the Christians in Antioch decided, we like this term because that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be Christ followers. So what started out as an accusation and a, and a making fun of them became a, we like this and we're going to take it on ourselves. We need to be very careful at times. Are we following Christ? Am I learning about him? Do I know what I believe? Do I truly believe? And we've talked about that, the truth project. The whole question of the truth project is, do you, do you really believe that what you believe is really real? No. This is critical. What do I believe and do I truly believe it? You're not tested on what you believe until you go through a test. You know, I look at these doors and say, I can walk through these doors, okay? You know, we all know that that's true. Why? Because we've done it. <laughs> what if somebody had never seen a door? All they see is this wall over there that, you know, got shapes cut around it, but they don't understand what a door is. And you tell them, oh, you just open that door and go through it. And we laugh at that, but, but you can picture, because then that is a little far-fetched on it, but there are things that we do that we test and prove. We know that we want to be able to do these things. Do we need to understand everything about it to make it, make it work? No. We use things all the time that we don't understand how they work. Electricity is a great example. They do not understand how electricity works. They just know that it does. And they can teach you all about this, but you cannot see electricity. You can't see wind, and yet we use wind all the time to do things. And we don't fully understand it. Most people don't understand how, to, how a car works in, in its complete ways, but we know that when we turn that key that it's supposed to start. If it doesn't, we go find somebody who knows how to make it start. <laughs> yeah. But we don't have to understand everything there is about it to make it, make it go. But if we really want to be able to get better at it, we'll learn things. 
We need to learn about God. Can you be a Christian without trying to learn? Yeah, you can be a Christian. You can be a very baby Christian who never goes anywhere, never develops anything, never, never reaches out. But the more you know about what you believe and why, gives you a grown-up position and you can stand and help others. And this is what Paul said. These guys are trying to make, it live, make things difficult, but I am ready to defend the gospel. I am ready to stand up. And he was going to stand up before Caesar and, and give the gospel message to Caesar. And then he dies because <laughs> he's going to be executed. But we want to get to this place where we are ready. We're ready. We're f- sitting faithfully in Christ, letting him change us, letting him teach us. Does that mean we just sit, uh, sit down in our couch in our house and wait for God to do all this stuff? No, we have to go open our Bible. We have to go talk, you know, sit under teaching. We have to go talk with other people. God, God doesn't just down, you know, open our head and download a whole bunch of information into our heads if we're just sitting around doing nothing. He says, well, if you don't want to know anything, then that's fine. You can know nothing. But he says, get out and do. Learn. Study. Study to show yourself a workman approved. Um, study to show yourself approved, a workman that need not be ashamed of the gospel. We need to study. We need to learn. We need to follow. God's word is so sweet. It's so true and so powerful. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for each person that's here today. Lord, we ask that you help us learn to just trust you in a greater and greater way, that you we will learn what it is you would have us to learn and lord that we will disciple others we will reach out that we will look for somebody to help us learn but we will also take what we learn and reach out to others that need to know what what you have taught us and lord if there's anybody that has not does not know you we ask that you touch their heart and get them to confess that they are a sinner and deserve punishment and accept your gift that you're holding out to them in jesus name amen